so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. That moment of democracy inspiration really needs no introduction. Martin Luther King's historic I Have a Dream speech, which reminds us of the intense struggles we faced before and will continue to face in pursuit of our democracy. It seems like a fitting piece of inspiration to end with on what has been a really hard year for democracy. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, December 21st. Moving from 1963 to today, I was hoping to share during this last 10 Minutes on Democracy podcast of the year some exciting breakthroughs for our democracy this week. Instead, sadly, we saw momentum stall out in Congress, so I have some recaps on the development of this week, both from Congress and around state redistricting for us to reflect on, and wishes for rest before the struggles begin anew in 2022. So the big headline on Sunday, Senator Joe Manchin said he would not support the Biden administration's $1.75 trillion social and climate spending plan, which included extensions on the child tax credit, which has now expired, universal pre-K, paid family leave, clean energy investments, and more. This likely dooms passing this plan possibly for good and certainly before the Christmas break, as hoped, given they need all 50 Democratic senatorial votes to pass in a divided Senate, which is also now worth noting it's the longest evenly divided Senate in American history and has showcased how polarization and bureaucracy can paralyze our democracy. Manchin, along with Senator Sinema from Arizona, has of course long raised concerns about the bill, most notably that cost estimates did not reflect the bill's true cost as many key provisions had expiration dates that may ultimately be extended. But this announcement seemed to catch the White House off guard, and really the protests are ones that rang a little bit hollow. The timing and venue for Manchin's declaration, saying, I can't get there, this is a no, on Fox News Sunday, days before Christmas, frankly looked like a middle finger to Democrats. Last minute, an unexpected announcement on a conservative news channel that spent years attacking Democrats and celebrating the Trump wing of the Republican Party is not how anybody expected Manchin to make such a big declaration. The West Wing accused Manchin of a, quote, breach of his commitments to the president and the colleagues in the House and Senate in a pretty harsh statement issued hours later, which has not been walked back since then. Progressives have been worried all year they'd whittled down their spending ambitions to bring Manchin on board, only to have him pull the rug out once negotiations got real, and it seems they may be right. After Biden signed the infrastructure bill last month, they lost almost all of their leverage, and now the bill is off the table. The question now is what happens next? A lot of speculation has been coming in the last 48 hours about whether the bill can be negotiated or renegotiated to pass with most of its elements intact, whether a new bill that includes fewer programs but longer timeframes that might reconcile with Manchin's concerns could be possible, whether some of the elements could pass as standalone bills, although that's really likely very hard with limited budget reconciliation options to avoid a filibuster, or whether the bill is dead in its entirety. 
Senator Chuck Schumer, majority leader, um, has tried to retain some momentum. Yesterday, he had a letter out to his colleagues saying that he plans a vote on a, quote, revised version of Build Back Better early next year, and that we will keep voting on it until something gets done. Schumer said he wants every senator to, quote, have the opportunity to make their position known on the Senate floor, not just on television. So not going away, but not looking great. One key messaging point that will emerge, both to pressure Manchin and perhaps to attack Republicans for stonewalling this bill, is that Goldman Sachs quickly downwardly revised its U.S. economic forecast after Manchin rejected Build Back Better yesterday. Citing what it sees as the apparent demise of Build Back Better, they now expect GDP to grow at an annualized pace of 2% in the first quarter, down 50% from their previous 3% prediction. They also trimmed their forecast for the second quarter to 3%, down from 3.5, and the third quarter to 2.75, down from 3, specifically because of the expiration of the child tax credit and the lack of other new anticipated spending. The other big thing we're waiting is whether there might be a rules change proposal to change the filibuster and whether that might be introduced this evening or tomorrow after the Senate Democratic Caucus meeting later today, or if it gets pushed to January. And a lot, again, a lot depends on Manchin and Cinema. There was talk before Manchin Sunday announcement of a breakthrough. Although Cinema had been expressing her hesitations to end the filibuster, she's also said that she hadn't seen the proposed rule change, so she was withholding judgment. It's worth noting, and I'll read a little quote. In the same letter that Schumer released about Build Back Better yesterday, he also said, Additionally, please be advised that shortly after the 117th Congress resumes in January, the Senate will consider voting rights legislation as early as the first week back. Previous attempts to simply debate such legislation have been obstructed by Republican filibusters, effectively defending the voter suppression and election nullification laws passed by so many Republican state legislatures on party lines with simple majorities. We all agree that the right to vote is the cornerstone of our democracy. With that in mind, I would ask you to consider this question. If the right to vote is the cornerstone of our democracy, then how can we in good conscience allow for a situation in the Republican Party can debate and pass voter suppression laws at the state level with only a simple majority vote, but not allow the United States Senate to do the same? If Senate Republicans continue to abuse the filibuster and prevent the body from considering this bill, the Senate will then consider changes to any rules which prevent us from debating and reaching final conclusion on important legislation. Sending out a really clear message about the dynamics of both state and federal voting practices and the dynamics here. It's likely too late without some massive shift for either the Freedom to Vote Act or Build Back Better to pass both the political and the procedural hurdles to get approved in 2021. But Schumer's making a very clear statement that we are going to see movement on this, or at least he's going to be pushing to call for a vote again in the beginning of 2022. And as we think about that and think about freedom to vote, what we do know, and you've heard me say before on this podcast, is that it's important to pass this bill at any point we can get it passed. But the longer it goes without passing, the less impact it will have on redistricting in particular, which will have huge political implications in terms of the maps we use to run for the midterms. So there are a lot of other elements of freedom to vote that will impact the process of voting that can be critical even if they're passed months from now. But on the redistricting front, the sooner the better, and every day that goes by means the limited impact that will be available for the 2022 midterms. Finally, looking at redistricting, we are continuing to see maps get 
approved, we're not there yet, but some decisions and some announcements, especially in some key states coming out in this last week. In Pennsylvania, we've got some mixed news. The congressional map's still looking pretty gerrymandered, but a much more fair state house legislative map getting introduced. Republicans crying that this state map is a radical gerrymander, but actually it's moving back against two decades of Republican gerrymanders to a pretty fair state map when you look at partisan and demographic distribution. The state Senate map is a little more gerrymandered, but is getting better in Pennsylvania. There will be multiple legal challenges coming, but this could potentially shake up control of the Pennsylvania state legislature. In New Mexico, we saw maps getting finalized, and the big deal there is that the state Senate map ended up being finalized with the ones preferred by native leaders. So you're seeing more native representation in New Mexico. We're seeing a bunch of deadlines this week. California finished their maps yesterday, largely with praise. Arizona's got a deadline tomorrow with a surprise tie-breaking vote from an independent who had been voting with Republicans, who sided with Democrats on one of the final votes. Still not finished, but to see where that lands the maps. And Michigan is not going to see their uh, maps released until the end of the year, the 28th to the 30th of December, kind of the final deadline of maps anywhere in the country this year. So there'll be some last minute announcements from the state of Michigan. And then the last thing on redistricting are the legal challenges. What's been interesting here is a, a pattern of dismissals not being granted. So there have been a series of cases brought in Florida and Texas and other states seeking to challenge gerrymandered maps. And while there's been very few decisions about the maps themselves, what we are seeing is that courts so far are not granting dismissals of those suits. They're letting the suits go forward, which means we'll have a lot more to pay attention to in the new year about how these maps get judged. But for now, not a lot of major progress. The slog is going to continue, but we're kind of seeing the wind down. I'm not expecting any major, major new developments in the next few weeks. You never know. The world could turn me into a liar, but we will be taking next week off. So this is our final weekly review of democracy developments. I'm Jason Franklin, wishing you and yours the best for a restful year-end break. I'm looking forward to talking with you again on 10 Minutes in Democracy in the new year. Take care. Happy holidays and happy new year.